Hello, it's Natalia Lloyd and welcome to my podcast, Beehive Household. As part of my interior design business, my first chat with my clients is a deep dive into their lifestyle and daily routines to be able to understand how they use their homes. And this is where the idea for this podcast came from. So subscribe and listen to find out about the daily routines of my extraordinary guests, their mindset, their choice of interiors, but most importantly, how their life at home sustains their success and much, much more. In this episode, I talked to my dear friend, Tessie Anthony Danasau, and as there was so much to discuss, I decided to split it in two parts, with part one beginning now. Welcome to the Beehive household. Today, I have a very special guest of mine, Tessie Anthony Danasau. In her own words, she is many things to many people. At her still very young age, she's already lived through a lifetime of experiences and has achieved remarkable highs, but also has gone through some heartbreaking lows. Tessie is a great role model for a businesswoman. She is the founder and a partner in Finding Butterflies Consulting, which is focused on corporate social responsibility project in education and female empowerment. She is a co-founder of the charity Professors Without Borders, specializing in providing university-level education courses in developing countries. Tessie is also an UNAIDS global advocate for young women and adolescent girls. Tessie, going a couple of years back, Tessie joined the Luxembourg Army at the age of 18, where she rose to the rank of corporal and took part in the peacekeeping mission in Kosovo. This is where she met her ex-husband, Prince Louis of Luxembourg, and later became Her Royal Highness Princess of Luxembourg when they got married. But most importantly, she became a mother of two wonderful boys, Prince Gabriel and Prince Noah de Nassau. Tessie, welcome to the Beehive household. Thank you so much, Natalia. It's such a pleasure to be with you here today. Thank you. So we are today in Tessie's London home, and it's absolute pleasure uh, to be here to see what the princess life life is like. And um, so, where do you consider your actual home to be? So, you obviously um, came from Luxembourg. You lived in Switzerland, and you lived in London. Where do you consider your home to be? Well, I think um, my home is kind of where my heart is. So I do have a few homes, really. I have my home in Luxembourg, where my parents are, my twin brother, my family. And I have my home in London, which I share with my two sons, Gabriel and Noah. And they go to school here as well. And then I have my home in Switzerland as well, where I am also living uh, quite a lot of time now um, with my partner. Oh, amazing. So um, in terms of decoration style which one do you prefer for your homes what is it like um where where do you put your footprint and what is you which interior design style so um as you can see my london home is very child friendly so most of my designer furniture is in storage because the kids were still very small when we moved here and this house is really a homage to my children because i want them to feel that they can be themselves 
If something breaks here, it's absolutely fine. My house is very colorful here. I have a lot of paintings all over the house, a lot of paintings of them as well that are being made in Italy every year. Like kind of like my home in London is like a living time capsule. I like to have a lot of artifacts around um, and it's just, I hope you feel it too. It's very cozy, very warm, very welcoming, very family oriented. Um, then my home in Switzerland is a bit more country, um, out of the city. We have a lot of nature around us. So the house is, there's less artifacts, less paintings around. It's more connected to nature, a lot of plants and um, some paintings such as some mirrors we have hanging there and so on. It's a bit more classical and um, a bit more grown up for the children if you want. Um, so. So it really depends. Um, London is really, yeah, I think it's more the home of my children mm. um, where uh, they share with me their life here. Mm. Because obviously in Luxembourg, they have another home with their dad uh, and in Paris, which is more um, royal in the way that there's a lot of things you cannot break. Mm -hmm. So they're more restricted. There's beautiful paintings, ancestry, artifacts, um, very old furniture, which goes along uh, decades. Even some centuries, of them are yeah. centuries old. So it's a very different lifestyle for them. So I think uh, we enjoy our life here very much where they can just be themselves and run around. And if something breaks, we clean it up and that is it. And exactly. we move on with life. Exactly. I totally agree. Walking into your home, I feel your soul. I feel your heart, just like you say, it's very cozy very welcoming and I can tell that on this kitchen where we sit right now there's been a lot of teas and coffees and perhaps champagnes drank it's really um, warm and hospitable environment um, but do you own any special um, interior decor things perhaps that are close to you that's something that you really cherish something you don't want your kids to break perhaps uh, maybe here or maybe in Switzerland, in your Zurich home? Yes, I still have um, quite a lot of furniture stored in the castle in Luxembourg. So I have, for example, one long chair, mm. which is quite old. Border red, which is one of my favorite colors, mm. uh, velour. And it's a really elegant female lounge chair. So that one I really love and I cannot wait to unpack it when we are changing design now a little bit in the house in London, because my children, my oldest will be 15, my youngest will be 13 next month. I yes. do think that it is time to adjust the house a little bit more to become again uh, a little bit more of a grown-up house yes. other than kind of like a, right now, I would see my house, you'd see the paintings of the kids, their drawings and everything everywhere. It's yeah. a bit like pipi uh, long, long legs, a uh, villa kunterbund. <laughs> yeah. um, so I think it's time as well for the house to grow up. To grow up too here in London. <laughs> yes. Do you feel like you've grown up? Now is you ready for the house to grow? Up? No, I think uh, <laughs> we always remain a bit of the child inside, which I think is so important because as long as you have the child inside, you you see the beauty in everything, and you always remain curious. Uh, which I think is so beautiful because you're missing so many things in your daily life if you're too serious about yourself. That's so right. I do like to remain a little bit a child inside, despite that we all need to be grown-ups and obviously behave a certain way for society. I think it's nice to keep that curiosity 
and that innocence in every situation if you can. I love that philosophy. I think this is one of the points where we bond. <laughs> yes, definitely. Um, so have you ever used an interior designer in any of your houses? Did you actually work with a professional anywhere or it was always your footprint? It's something you would do yourself. How does it work? So the house, um, the houses we had in, in Luxembourg and the one here in London, um, I got actually a lot inspired by my ex-mother-in-law, the Grand Duchesse Maria Theresa. So uh, she helped me choose the furniture here and helped me to kind of like, um, yeah, set it up a bit. And she was always very present within that, which was wonderful, a nice time to share together. Uh, the house in Switzerland has been um, uh, kind of like uh, designed inside by a designer. Like for example, even the painting on the wall is made by a doctor in uh, Ayurvedic color combination which is all um, anti-allergic. Uh, we are creating- like color therapy. Color therapy, mm -hmm. but also the colors itself. One wall that we are being installing at the moment is made out of coffee beans, which has anti-allergic uh, preferences for the kitchen. Oh, wow. um, another one is a rooibos wall, which is mm -hmm. made out of rooibos tea, which kind of like uh, creates that sense of belonging. And then uh, in our bedroom, we want to have a wall which is made out of uh, hay. Even though I'm allergic to dust, I'm asthmatic. Uh -huh. But it is very anti-allergic again. And it isolates a lot against the heat in the summer and keeps the warmth in the winter. While also giving a little bit of that smell of hay. Which for me kind of reminds me my childhood. Because I did spend a lot of time on the farm next to my grandmother's house on holidays. And uh, it was one of the best times of my life. So I think uh, having that in my bedroom and having that memory when I come into the bedroom will be definitely something I'm looking forward to when it's done. Wow. So you're taking the concept of a feature wall to completely next, next, next level. Yes. I think she's it's the fabulous. only designer. She's the only interior designer who does that in the world. Is she? Um, she's really absolutely fantastic. Do you share the name? Yes, of course. Um, I will give it to you later. It doesn't come into my mind now. Yes. We'll cut this out. <laughs> yes, I will. Yeah. Right. So where would you say your happy place is in the house and why? Mm, I think the kitchen, to be honest, because I love to cook for my children. Kind of my love goes for food. And I love cooking with them. My oldest son has a passion for cooking as well and baking. Really? Wow. And uh, also here, that's where I spend time with my friends when they come. As you said, we have a glass of wine or I have a cup of tea. Um, I read my newspaper here in the morning. Uh, you know, it's just, it's, it's such a nice space. Uh, at the same time, I love my living room upstairs because well, my children, when we have our quality time together, we watch family movies there. They jump around the sofas. The pillows are flying around <laughs> every time uh, they play Lego there. You know, that's where they hang out. And so it's just nice for me when I work between my office upstairs and the kitchen to just pass by the living room and just see them there. Just glance inside and see them interacting with each other. It's just, you know, where we put our Christmas tree up together as a family every year and um, where I put on a little light in the corner when 
we are playing Risk or when we are playing Rummy Cube. So it's a really nice family ambience there. I love it. I can really feel it through your description. I can really almost immerse myself into that living room, you know, feel how you feel. That's wonderful. So we're slowly coming from that into your routines, your day routines. What are they like? What is your... I know every day of yours is not normal. There's no standard Tess's routine day, perhaps. But what would what do you like? There must be some structure that you like to hold on to. What, what is your routine like? So, um, I do not like to wake up before 7 a.m. <laughs> That's the only thing. No 5 a.m. club. <laughs> no. I do admire you for that entirely. <laughs> but um, one day, maybe. One day, I might try. Um, but yeah, so I wake up around 7, 7.15. That is my routine. And I wake up, I journal in the morning. So kind of like I throw out all of my thoughts that I have within one or two pages every morning to kind of like start my day fresh with nothing on my mind. Do I revisit these notes? No. I just let them out. Mm -hmm. And then um, I come downstairs in my pajamas yeah. and uh, create myself a nice carrot juice with celery every morning and have one shot of lemon juice every morning, which is really, it just energizes you. It's like it gives you, it makes you feel so healthy for some reason. Pure reasons. lemon juice. Pure lemon juice. Without water? No. Wow. That it's wakes really, you up as well. Yes, it does. You don't need coffee after The whole that. body is just, you activate it all and you feel so healthy and so, yeah, as you say, energized. And then after that, it depends on the day. You know, if the kids are home because they are in boarding school, um, it's obviously all about the kids. So I'm lucky with my own companies that I can take care of them as much as I can, because I can work whenever I want and with who I want. Um, but if they're not here, I work. So my working days really start at around, let's say eight in the morning and they finish around nine, 10 p.m. I work weekends as well and holidays. Um, I do, however, no matter how hard the working day is, I take one hour a day to do sports. Mm -hmm. So I go for run either, I do reformer, I meditate. So one hour a day, I even put it in my schedule as a meeting with myself because I have seen that if I don't do that, I just get exhausted and, and I don't feel as productive as I should be. Yeah. And my body is just craving that meeting with myself just to check in and see how do I actually feel today and um, how can I make myself feel energized and motivated and innovative enough to do to make the day as good as I can. So I have that date with myself every day. And uh, I think you need to be selfish in that way. A lot of people say, well, why? You know, I don't have time for that. And I said, well, you know, I had a burnout years ago. And I realized that if your body doesn't work, nothing else works. So you need to take that one hour a day because there's nothing more important than yourself. Because if you're not functioning, your family life doesn't function as properly. You don't feel properly functional. Your business life has a little hit on it as well. So I think it just all comes, it all starts with you. As they say also within the charity work, you can translate that to yourself. Charity starts at home. And the home for you is you, your core. And so for me, that has always been 
well, always, it has actually started to be a priority that one hour a day since my burnout because I literally couldn't walk properly anymore. I couldn't swallow, lost a lot of weight. I was miserable. I was literally a prisoner in my own body. And uh, I promised to myself that if I pep myself out of this crisis, that I will always cherish myself and respect myself fully. Because I think also taking time for yourself means you respect yourself. Mm. And, um, you know, uh, it's, yeah, it has just become such an important routine for me to do that. And, uh, yeah, I really like that routine like that. Even when I travel. You still do that. Yes. So even when I travel, some hotels I can't do sports or when I have really busy days with shootings or interviews or business meetings or whatever, at least I take half an hour then to meditate, to just check in and breathe through my stomach. Because we tend to, to have all of that shallow breathing during the day because life right. just happens, doesn't it? But really just putting your hands on your stomach and actually feel your stomach rise and go down again as you breathe and consciously let your stomach hang out. Because nowadays with society, as a woman particularly, we want to look slim, we want to look elegant and tall and hold it gracious. In. So we push it in, which actually for your body is something really bad. It's not healthy. And so I think it's important from time to time to let your tummy hang. Hang. And I love uh, that. it sounds a bit that should be a mood, but let it's just you know, let it just let just be you you know yeah. we're not perfect and uh you know and that is also part of you mm. so just embrace it fully and love yourself for it and that this is so true i've um beginning of um the lockdown i've actually i've done the uh, um, chakra balancing work with a guru from india and this is exactly what i found that we go through the day really not breathing pretty much whatever we do that shallow breathing it's nothing to do with a full um proper breathing when you get oxygen into all parts of your body and i can totally understand what you're talking about well it's like um there's there's one saying deepak chopra i do a lot of his meditations and he says often in his meditations actually situations are like you're breathing if you hold on to a situation, an emotion, you suffocate. Right. And it's the same with the breathing. And so every situation will pass as you're breathing well. You need to let it go. It might feel horrible. And, you know, some situations are obviously more intense than others and with the emotion attached to it. But it's not for you to hold on to it. There's a lesson in everything, in good and bad stuff that happens to each and every one of us. We have all our crosses to carry. So we should never compare ourselves as well to other people. But it's really about not to hold on too long to it because you suffocate your own body with it. And with that, deprive yourself from what you should be. And uh, I think that is always something I remind myself uh, daily because you know, just thinking about something, even just sitting here, I just realized I hold on to, I, I, I don't always breathe as much as I should. Yeah. And it's just like to consciously from time to time, just check in with you, even when you have a business meeting and just say, breathe, it's okay. That's right. So you touched the subject of letting go and the burnout. What was your life like 
going through that burnout and which reasons brought you into that state what was your life like what was at that point what was your home like um because it's very different you probably would want to stay at home more as well but what does your home become for you when you go through a difficult time well for me it was it was my divorce it really broke my heart and um, you know i just needed to admit to myself that i failed i really wanted to, you know well i married my husband to be with him forever it was the love of my life my first real love we have two beautiful children together and i did everything for him and to admit myself that it didn't work out was just you know as an ambitious person as i am was just i couldn't accept that and so uh, my body was just giving me the sign that it's enough now you need to to accept you couldn't save your marriage and you did everything you could and now you need to take care of yourself and so as a broken woman broken heart and my divorce was very public and obviously in the 21st century still today well obviously sadly um, the woman is the bad guy you know no matter what happens and it doesn't matter what happened i was being seen as the horrible person and um you know and i was being seen and written written off like that in the press as well and uh, i felt incredibly lonely but i didn't want to show it so for the outside world i kept going i was working i was full time working still everything even through my burnout i didn't share anything with people because um it's my private life and even though i have an instagram and all of these things people think they know me so well but actually i'm a very private person in that way i am and i am still today um i have a lot of things i don't share with anyone and just my close friends and my family know that and i think it's important like that too so what it was like then doing the burnout which took me years to overcome because i didn't want to take medication i really wanted to get to the root cause and heal myself right. because if you take medication as often people prescribe you to you kind of putting like a plaster on the bleeding wound it doesn't work it will always bleed at some point and uh, you will never be able to heal properly because you didn't deal with it and so it took longer because when you do it the natural way to actually deal with yourself it will take longer and a lot of people nowadays don't want to take that time that's right and so i said to myself i will take that time because i need to take that time because i do not want to experience this ever again so my burnout itself was the loneliest time in my life because Did anyone from your family knew about how you actually felt yes yes but i was in london and um, raising my two children and going through the public divorce and everything so yes i was home you know and yeah i was also crying and it's just you know smiling outside and making it all just smile away and everything is fine but then you're home and having these effects as well when i saw people as well i couldn't be with people anymore i had these anxiety panic attacks all the time the heat that comes up from your chest and you just feel like you want to choke or faint or you're dizzy and it's just the most weirdest feeling because the person you're talking to even though i was smiling and i was looking normal they don't feel what you feel so i was hiding these emotions of dizziness of oh, i feel like i want to run away or faint or why is that like? and did you feel like 
they're judging you because they're reading papers or because they will start asking questions that you don't ha didn't have. I just didn't want to share that. I really thought this is my battle to fight with myself. And um, so I was also embarrassed that's... about it, I think. You know, in today's world, still mental health is such a stigma. And I was afraid people, yes, would judge me and would say, oh, um, you know, oh my God, she's so unstable now. And look, she's crying. And, you know, people just really always look for something to talk about you. And I said, I'm not going to give them that. Right. And so, um, yeah, because well, now looking back at everything, you know, I have become so strong now and it has really become a, a vital part of my body and my life and my personality. Everything of my past has, but specifically my burnout, I have really learned and I have really kind of like um, rediscovered myself mm. and where my limits are and where um, what my body likes and what it doesn't like. And I think I'm very grateful for that experience as well. I can say that now. The moment yeah. it happened, I thought, yeah. why? Yeah. And I was praying. Yeah. I'm, I'm a Catholic, so I was praying and I said to myself, God, why did you give me this? What, what have I done to deserve this? You know, uh, you know, please heal me. And I was just really desperate to become better faster because I wanted to move on with my life and just, you know, be that fast and, and, active person but I really I needed to just slow stop down. and really? slow down and really you know listen more to myself instead of you know always helping others I needed to help myself and that was such a beautiful learning and so yes from the loneliness as well I think Deepak Chopra talks about it as well within total silence you really hear and um, that was a beautiful discovery for me because, yes, I was very lonely um, at the time, but I had my children as well and they needed me and they need me now. And was they, it hard? They gave me so much strength. Did they give you strength or did you feel like sometimes you may want to step slightly back from you know, juggling all those roles you needed to carry on juggling because you really needed time to heal? Because it feels like a lot, doesn't it? D did it feel like being busy with the kids make you get out of that state quicker or forget about it? Or you actually felt like, you know, it's hard. I mean, it's that's all. Sometimes there are days like that when you just feel like I have no energy, you know, to to be a mother right now, you know, because so much going on. Was there a mixture of those or? I think what I've learned is that um, I learned to be grateful more and to really appreciate and embrace fully the moment. Um, that is what I learned. Um, for my children, I never compensated the need they have for me. So I was always full on with my children. Um, I have always been very honest with them about my emotions as well, as much as it was appropriate for them. I didn't talk to them about my problems. Yeah. But if I was sad, I would tell them, Mama is sad a little bit and Mama needs half an hour on her own. Okay. Or Mama is going to the gym, um, you know, and, and that was that. Just to make them understand that I too am a human being and sometimes Mama is sad too. Because I think especially for boys, it's important that they learn that it's okay to have emotions. 
especially That's boys true. growing up in a royal family, you know, certainly I know quite a few who are unable to show their emotions still today. And it's such a burden on them, you know, and I can see how the inability for them to just be them and how it has affected their lives. And I promise to myself that I will never let that happen to my sons because I wanted, I want them to be functional men in society, which are empathetic as well and kind and loving and all of these soft skills, which I think are so important in a fast moving, um, competitive, environment right. we all living and growing up in so yeah i think um i think they they have seen me um struggle in my life also with business and so on but i've never been embarrassed about it in front of them because i said to them that is also part of life and not every day is the best day but you know, it shows you, you know, kind of like what I told them always. And I tell them as well when they come home from school and the day was not as they wanted it or they had a fight with a friend or, you know, or they just feel a bit unease, specifically as teenagers now. Teenagers, you know, they yeah. have emotions that they don't understand when yeah. they're frustrated or angry, you know. And I always tell them, you know, there needs to be clouds in the sky for you to appreciate the sun. And uh, that's okay. Clouds can be beautiful too. And, uh, you know, and there needs to be rain for flowers to grow. Because otherwise the seed will just be a dry seed and there will be no opportunity for the seeds to ever become what it was supposed to be. And that is the same with, with things that don't always run smooth. We need these experiences to grow and become better every day. And so, um, yeah. I think that is why I dealt with my burnout the way I did. And uh, I think that is also why my boys now and myself, we are so strong and so unified and they are just so balanced and grounded and so empathetic. And at the same time, they are just so loving and giving. It's just yeah. so beautiful. They are really, you know, I'm really, really proud of them and the men they have become, both of them. That's amazing. And considering all of that, considering that they are going through their teenage years, that's supposed to be the most difficult time in perhaps a lot of personalities building. And this is where parents tend to get a lot of tension. And it's beautiful to hear that the boys are handling those hormonal changes as well in a very stable stable way and yes it's it's um it is just beautiful how philosophical and poetical you were about it and that they understand it as well and supportive of you as their mummy it's it's beautiful um do you think in terms of the growing stronger getting over the through um the burnout and learning to show your emotions do you actually show your emotions now or do you feel like you still need to be guarded in front of many people i think um i think i am pretty much what you see is what you get person 
Um, so I'm very honest. But I think, you know, and that is, I think, also what people maybe need to learn more, is that you can be authentic without becoming angry or rude or bitter. So I think you can, you can be yourself, but it's just like, you know, as they say, um, the tone makes the music. So it's how you express yourself is, is key. And uh, as such, I don't need to, um, yeah, I'm always very, very honest and supportive and, and also I'm also strong about my own opinions and what I believe in and my values. My values, I don't compensate my values and my ethics. And, uh, but I have ways of expressing that, which don't hurt other people if it's maybe not theirs, but it kind of like invites them to maybe consider a different perspective. Because I think that is uh, the way uh, human beings should interact instead of just forcing and pushing something. Because what I learned as well over, the, over my lifetime really is that you cannot beat change or trigger change of negativity with negativity. You need to always bring something new, insightful, positive, uh, shiny, sprinkly, energetic into the conversation, no matter what you're talking about in order to trigger change. Because no one wants to be pushed in the corner and told they are wrong. It doesn't work. So you need to find ways of talking to people. And there's wonderful books about that. I read many books about it. I learned it as a trauma psychologist, uh, which I um, practiced for years. That's right. And so it's just, um, yeah, it's all about the way you talk to people and how you present yourself. And uh, authenticity should never be compensated. But um, yeah, just be more mindful uh, about other people's paths and the cross that they are carrying. Because, you know, we don't always know what other people go through. And, uh, and as such, you know, a communication is always a two-way street. 100%. Couldn't agree more. We usually tend to see tip of the iceberg. That's what they say. And to make our judgment of a person just based on that that's that's not fair it's it's not fully informed judgment and i think in a, and we talked about it just before this interview is that there's also a little bit of chemistry when you um feel a good vibe that you can really tune into and listen to and that's certainly what i felt when we met and that's how our um friendship flourished which i'm very privileged Mm -hmm. um, Me too. Thank you, my lovely. Um, so this is the uh, um, coming back to your your house here. This is the house where you lived with your ex husband. Mm -hmm. And uh, how how many years you owned this house? How many years you've been living here? Ten now. Ten now. Mm -hmm. And your house almost is... eleven actually. Oh right. Yes. And this is the house that's seen it all. This is where you've been happy, unhappy, burnout, and you came to where you are now. Did it ever make you want to move out or um, just because some parts of the house will remind you of your past or previous life as in um, with your ex? 
or you found your own way of or it doesn't bother you at all um something well i have pictures of my ex-husband all over the house for example with the kids and i think it's important that they see their dad that he's part of our life because he is fully and uh, you know i don't believe that just because you get divorced that you delete a person from your life it doesn't work also it would be not found the children and we have such beautiful memories together and we still do we do a lot of things together and it's just nice for them to see that uh, even though daddy is not here he's in paris um he is still here mm -hmm. and uh, it's also you know part of his history here and uh, one thing what i love doing it's kind of like uh, my children they don't always like it yeah i kind of like every six months or every 12 months i move around everything so right. I changed my living room entirely. I moved the furniture around or my bedroom or their bedroom. And we did that actually last week. We did the living room. And uh, my oldest, he helped me. And my youngest was like, Mama, why do you always need to move around the furniture? <laughs> and I said, because it just makes, it just changes the energy again. And when I'm fed up again, I change it again. The furniture always remains the same. Right. But it's just there's so many different ways you can put it. And it just gives a different vibe. And I like that. I think it's, it's a playful way of always feeling something new in the old. And uh, I have always done that and I really like that. And I do the same in my Swiss home. And, uh, you know, not everyone always appreciates it, especially men, because <laughs> men, they don't like change too much. But it's just for me, it's a way of just, yeah, bringing some fresh air in uh, and uh, having a little bit of change in the daily routine. Right. And your Switzerland home, how long you've owned that one for? Uh, not long, since uh, March, actually. So very since lockdown, actually. Congratulations. Yes. So it's, uh, I, have, I have not moved it around too much yet, because I'm back <laughs> in London. <laughs> yes. But um, yeah, no, it's just, yeah, I really like the atmosphere it brings when you put a little bit of change you know. I love it tune into part two to hear what Tessa's life in the royal palace was like and other fascinating insights thank you so much for listening to this episode of Beehive Household Podcast please don't forget to like leave your review and share with your friends and family for more information on the design services we offer visit our website www.natalialloydinteriors.com You can also find me on Instagram and Facebook under Natalia Lloyd Interiors as well as on LinkedIn. Bye now till the next episode. Look after yourselves and your loved ones.